This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content, unfiltered. This is Discovery. This is Mental Health Moments, the podcast dedicated to breaking down barriers and sharing your stories. Brought to you by 105.9 The Region. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Mental Health Moments, hosted by yours truly, Phil McCabe, and brought to you by 105.9 The Region, This podcast, in my view, is designed to share as many stories of as many people as humanly possible and really delve into what mental health is, how it impacts people, how we can help people experiencing mental health crises, and so on and so forth. Now, as we move through the years, there's been a culture shift of sorts. There's been a lot more people talking about mental health. One thing that has started to move into the forefront and I'm very excited about is the idea of helping people with mental health concerns. So... I'm incredibly thankful that there's a program that exists, and I'm incredibly thankful for a guest that's going to join me in a moment. Susan Kagan, we're here to talk about mental health first aid. Thank you for joining me, first of all, and how are you today? Thank you, Phil. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me, and I'm doing great. Looking forward to talking with you about this program and sharing it with your audience so they can learn more about it. Thank you for the opportunity. Right out of the gate, I was I was reading a little bit about mental health first aid, and I, I've spoken with someone from the Mental Health Commission of Canada, but I wanted to pick your brain on this. How would you describe it? Because I, I don't think I could do it justice. So how would you describe it in your your best elevator pitch of mental health first aid? Okay, let, let me take you through it. It's it's not it sounds complicated, but it's not. Really what it is, it's it's a help offered to somebody with declining mental well-being or someone experiencing a mental health crisis. Now, when we talk about declining mental health being, that's really um, our ability to realize our potential, to cope with stress effectively, and uh, face challenges of life. It's really about our resilience to bounce back. Um, and when we, we, uh, uh, when we talk about that, it's also really about noticing a change in somebody's behavior with mental well-being. So, for example, somebody changes their sleeping pattern. They're sleeping all day or they're not sleeping at all. Uh, They'd love to go to yoga. They're a friend of yours. And all of a sudden, they just stop showing up. These are things to take note of. They're not bouncing back in the face of stress. And we talk about crisis. These are things that require immediate attention. Um, Things like alcohol intoxication, panic attacks, suicide, and experiencing the traumatic event. And really, it's, it's really the concept of, of first aid, much like physical first aid. Mental health first aid is no different, only it's complicated. Because when somebody's experiencing, for example, a decline in their mental well-being, they're embarrassed. There's so much stigma out there, they don't want to talk about it. They maybe don't want to go for help. You know, you're going to do the same kinds of things. You'll approach them, you'll talk to them, you'll offer comfort, maybe supports professional supports, other supports, they may not want to go. They may not acknowledge that they need to go at that point. So what do you do? You don't leave them alone. You come back again. Maybe in a week or so, you talk to them again, you approach them again. So there's resistance. You know, it can be a bit challenging that way. And, uh, you know, looking through your website, I saw that there was a tab, the big picture, and it talked about recognize, respond, and guide. Can you explain what those three mean and in terms of the big picture and in terms of the mental health first aid courses? What is it 
to recognize, what is it to respond, and then what is it to, to guide? That's an interesting way of looking at it. Well, we recognize that somebody's behaving differently to the person. Like I mentioned earlier, that they're not themselves. Their behavior has changed. They're, maybe they're, they're withdrawing. They're not talking as much. They're sleeping patterns, the eating patterns. They're more irritable, all those things. So it's about recognizing it. And as humans, especially with all the stigma surrounding mental health, we sometimes want to avoid it. Uh, so that's recognizing, responding. I, I would say that's really about talking to them, initiating a conversation in a non-judgmental way. They don't want to be given advice. They don't want to be told what to do. But they want that kind, caring, compassionate conversation where you're sitting with them, you're present with them, and you're, you're just really listening feeding back what they're saying and then you're being compassionate. And then the other part would be uh, help. Now that could be professional uh, resources and usually the family doctor's the first line of defense, but there's a whole bunch of other professionals that can help. And the second would be other supports like uh, your, your, your support network. Uh, it could be friends, it could be family, but you wanna hook them up with supports if they're willing. It sounds simple, but you know, you're dealing with people, right? And there's so much stigma. This is the, the interface with mental health. Like it's all covered in stigma in our society. It's getting better, you know, and it's one of the biggest deterrents for people uh, getting help. That actually segues into my next question, Susan. I, you know, a lot of people use the word stigma as kind of a buzzword as a, as a, as a lip service, for lack of a better expression. And right. heading into events like Let's Talk Day and stuff like that, does yeah. the mental health first aid is there any portion of that that addresses stigma and, and helps whoever's taking the course to, to destigmatize mental health? And that's one of the big, big aims of the course. And I, and I think what happens, I remember when I first started doing this back in uh, 20, 2016, and I, uh, I, I retired from full-time work and I, this would be a project I thought I would be interested in. It was right up my alley, but I wasn't quite convinced. But as I began doing it, I could see what was happening. People were, were opening up, they were talking. We were putting them in um, small groups to talk about cases. Uh, they were talking a little bit about their own stories when they, when they brought back the work to the larger group. And there's no question they were feeling comfortable. We dress, directly address stigma. It's one of the biggest, biggest barriers. And the only way you get through that is by talking and realizing that other people are affected too. This is a the health problem, like diabetes, like cancer, like heart disease. And unfortunately in our society, we tend to put health problems in silos. Here we have mental health in one silo. And here we have other health problems like diabetes, cancer, heart disease in another silo. The two don't mix. It's a health problem. And we need to be compassionate, caring, and offer them help not to leave them alone, not to avoid them. Somebody's got depression. In essence, we're doing that in some ways. We're just throwing them under the bus. Oh, absolutely. And I'm glad that you phrased it in such a way because through my own mental health journey, through my own experiences, there has been so many occasions, and I know I'm not alone in this, where individuals trying to help me just say things like, oh, you're overreacting or mm -hmm. just suck it up and so on and so forth. But mental health seems to be that it's, oh, you're imagining it. That's not a thing. You're overreacting. 
just on a personal level, why do you suppose that is? Is it just because we haven't had these conversations as much? That's part of it, but I think we, we're afraid of it. Uh, we don't understand it. Um, it, it can be all consuming. We, we have a, a, a mindset in our society with mental health problems, people don't get better. And this is not true. People do get better. And I, I think that mindset is there and it scares people. You know, they, they don't understand what's happening. They don't feel they can help. But, but I think we really need to have hope and optimism about it um, because people with mental health problems do get better. There's treatment out there and it works. Now, I'm not saying that everybody does. I'm not trying to say that at all. But everybody with diabetes doesn't get better either. We're dealing with diversity. People from different cultures, different backgrounds, and there's different ways of being and ways of understanding mental health. Like some cultures think people with mental health problems are possessed. I mean, it wasn't that very long ago where people were had very few rights if they had a mental health problem. Well, we're, we're certainly moving towards a, a better world for helping people through yes. mental health. And that's where I'm very excited that such a thing like mental health first aid exists and continues to grow and evolve. But, you know, going back to my own experiences, I, I've learned as of late, just before the pandemic, especially when I started to, to look internally and, and reflect on my own mindfulness, my, my own inadequacies, for lack of a better word, it really was that I had to look internally and kind of accept that perhaps I was having some mental health concerns. So with all that said, throughout the mental health first aid courses, is there any portion of it that you think the skills that you would use on another individual to help someone else that would translate to helping yourself as well? Or is it entirely focused on helping those around you? Yeah, absolutely. One of the um, uh, uh, goals of that is to have uh, uh, people taking the course notice signs of mental health uh, struggles in themselves. And what we do is we have um, what we call a, a, an acronym of different tasks that you do as a mental health first aider, and we call it LGs. And really what that stands for, it's an acronym. It stands for A is approach, assist and assess. Uh, L is listening non-judgmentally. G is giving reassurance and support. The first E is encouraging professional supports. The second E is encouraging other supports. And finally, we have the S, which is about self-care. And that's about using this LG model to check in with yourself. Like, how am I doing? What's going on with me? Is my behavior changed? Do I need help? And, and to what has helped me in the past? So part of all these LG actions are to check in with yourself. When you're helping other people with mental health struggles, it's stressful. It's not an easy thing to do. So really what you need to do is look after yourself, make sure you have that time where you can recharge. Like if you keep giving, 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 you become emotionally bankrupt. Take all the money out of the piggy bank, you don't put any back, you have nothing left. Okay, so this is what self-care is all about. And this is an important part of, um, of the component. We, we'd have to look after ourselves, check in with ourselves, how are we doing? I'm so thankful that that's part of that course, just because you said it best, you know, how can we take care of other people if we're not taking care of ourselves yeah. at, at the same time? So just one more time, what's the acronym? Algies. Algies. A-L-G-E-E-S. 
Wonderful. Now, Susan, before I let you go, how can people get more information about mental health first aid, whether they want to be trained on mental health first aid, whether they want to help people, how can people get more information on that? Okay, what they can do, the mental health website is mhfa.ca. All the information is there. Uh, They can call me at 416-458-0326. I'd be happy to answer their questions. Um, My email is kagan, K-A-G-A-N, underscore, 51 at hotmail.com. So those are some, I'd be glad to answer people's questions. It's, it, the course is now virtual. Okay. And uh, just out of curiosity, I was looking through the website. It appears that there was areas that were directed to different demographics in terms of help, helping them. When you do the mental health first aid course, is it like almost like you're applying for a college course where you have common threads throughout and then you can branch out to different you know I'm trying to help LGBTQ people I'm trying to help senior people is that how it branches out I don't know but so much branches but it, it, depending what where you're working so if you're working with seniors you may want to take that course if your focus and work is mostly with children and youth you may want to take that course okay I do what they call the standard course which is sort of generic Okay. Uh, it could be applicable to, to anybody. It gives you the basic tool. The basic tool, tool are the allergies that we teach and tasks. Wonderful. Now, Susan, I have a tradition on this show. And again, I hope you'll indulge me. If there's someone out there struggling with a mental health crisis, mental health concern, what would you like them to know right now? Oh, I think there's a, several things that uh, there's help out there. A lot of, uh, it's not an uncommon thing to struggle with. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Um, there's people to talk to. There's people that care. Reach out. Don't, don't suffer in silence because there is help out there. That has been easily the most common thread since I started this podcast that everyone, mm. that we are not suffering alone. You know, I, I from my own experiences, it, it feels like the world has has it out for me and then I speak to just one of my buddies about how their day is going and they feel the exact same way so I'm so happy that that's becoming a more common uh, more commonly voiced statement that you're not alone you're not suffering or you don't have to suffer in silence yeah and this course can help you see that too well Susan thank you so much for joining me today pleasure Um, pleasure it's been very fantastic. Thank you again. Absolute pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity, Phil. That'll do it for Mental Health Moments on 105.9 The Region. I am your host, Phil McCabe. Until next time, I'll close with You Are Loved. If you or someone you love is struggling with mental health concerns, contact a local agency near you. This has been Mental Health Moments, brought to you by 105.9 The Region. Do you have an idea or a podcast to share? Send it to us here at Discovery, the radio show for podcasters on 105.9 The Region. Hey there, hey there, ho there. You got Nick and Cal with another episode of Chit Chat on Discovery at 105.9 The Region. Nick, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, Cal. How about you? Oh, I'm, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I, I got a chance to enjoy uh, some weather. Uh, over the last week when it got nice and warm there. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy, enjoying my summer. Anyway, before we get ahead with the cast here, 
I just wanted to let anyone that hasn't listened to us at Chit Chat here before, or maybe people who have but forgot that you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at A. E-H, the Canadian slang, Chit Chat. That's A Chit Chat on Instagram and Twitter. Tons of really cool stuff up there. Check it out. Yeah, check us out. Uh, Nick, you've been watching much of the Olympics? Not live. I watch a lot of the reruns. Oh, because yeah, no, it's, live. Dude, it's live is like 2 a.m. 2 a.m. They exactly, got stuff going on. It's exactly. live, yeah. No, it's no good. And you know what? We're having a lot of firsts this year. Maybe not as many medals as, you know, like China or the States, but a lot of firsts. Yeah. Like, we've got, we've got our first uh, medal for uh, women judo in Canadian history. We got our first gold medal in a decathlon. So, we're doing cool things. Oh, and Penny Alexiak's just, like, taking everybody's medals. But, Cal, did you know Oh, most gold medals at the Olympics are mostly made of silver? Oops. Despite the popular belief that the gold medal is composed of pure gold, this hasn't been the case since as far back as 1912. Now, today's Olympic medal, it's an imposter. It's made almost entirely of silver, with approximately 6 grams of gold in total to meet the standard that's been laid out by the Olympic Charter. Yes, there's an Olympic Charter. And (laughs) the medals for the Summer Olympics in Tokyo were made from 80,000 tons of recycled electronics. Wait, say that again? The medals for the Summer Olympics in Tokyo were made from 8,000 tons of recycled electronics. Oops. <laughs> An Olympic gold medal made from pure gold would cost up to $32,000. Yeah, so, I was going to say, it, yeah. <laughs> it'd be pricey if you were like, yeah, this is pure gold. Congratulations. You know, you won, the, you won a 10-second race. Here's uh, $26,000 in gold. Imagine how much resales you'd get, though. Imagine, like, Penny Alexiak. She's got eight of them, so of course she's going to get rid of a couple. (laughs) And that's not selfish. That's a lifetime of hard work put in to get to the Olympics. So shame on, well, not shame on you if you sell a couple for some bling because they don't really get paid much at the Olympics unless you got, like, sponsors. Yeah, yeah, no, there's not too much money flow uh, through the uh, athletes there. That's for sure. No, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. It's hard to gripe on that, but that's good to know. Nick, did you know a blue whale's heart weighs almost a ton? A ton. That's that's yeah, that's like two thousand pounds or nine hundred and seven kilograms, whichever you prefer. Just just quickly on that, like, have you ever you noticed that we do measurements in distance in kilometers metric system, but then we do weight in imperial, right? Like that, uh, it doesn't make sense in Canada. But anyway, that's my rant. Uh, but yeah, weighs weighs two thousand pounds and beats once every ten seconds. What? <laughs> once every ten seconds. The opposite of that in animal terms would be like uh, a hummingbird. There's a species of hummingbird where their heart beats uh, like twelve hundred and sixty times um, a second. Wow. <laughs> Literally 1,260 times more faster than a blue whale heartbeat. There you go. Drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, um, Cal, did you know there are a total of 2,150 billionaires in the world with a combined $10 trillion? Wow. Yeah. 
Billionaires' wealth in the world is greater than that of 60% of the world's population. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I've heard this stat before that uh, it's, it's a small group of people. You could fit on one boat. Yeah. Uh, that are you know more wealthy than a large portion of this world. Exactly. So I just wanted to take a minute to thank all these billionaires for leaving our entire <laughs> planet in ruins while they take day trips to space. <laughs> yeah, that's where that's the new billionaire thing to do these days is leave Earth. <laughs> Dude, combined they could literally change the world, but instead they choose to play whose is bigger. <laughs> They aren't yeah, no, even they aren't even doing anything as far as research in space. They are literally just going up and down like a carnival ride. Yeah. Yeah, they're just taking a quick taxi uh you know to to get a view and then come back. Yeah, it's just like a couple clowns spinning around in teacups. <laughs> Jeez. Uh Nick, did you know that a dog's sense of smell is so good that it can detect a teaspoon of sugar in a million gallons of water. What? The a million gallons of water to to visualize that is like two uh, Olympic sized swimming pools. And if you drop a teaspoon of sugar in there, the dog will pick it up. He said, "Oh yeah, <laughs> that's sweet water." My God, I can only imagine. Yeah, I, I couldn't even. I couldn't even live with myself if I imagine if humans had. That kind of smell? Oh God, no! You couldn't live like anywhere near a dump. What are you gonna do? Like, like a, like a, like a garbage dump? You couldn't even you... like work near a, like a garbage can. Yeah, you, you would have to be literally. And I mean, there would be no deodorant at all. Well, I guess deodorant, but no like fancy sprays. No, but you'd have to. You'd have to get like you'd. You would just be. I feel like I wouldn't be able to even stand myself. I'd be like constantly applying axe. Yeah. <laughs> Or uh, so to like get a that's nuts that's crazy that and they're just and you see dogs now now you know Nick next time you see a dog with his head out the window of a car of a moving car he is smelling everything like you have no idea or he's getting away from whatever's in the car <laughs> <laughs> smelling smelling the grass on the greener side <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh Cal did you know mm. that in 1902 the first speeding ticket was issued. Most cars back then could barely re- could barely reach seventy kilometers per hour. It must have been a school zone. Nineteen oh two. What kind of car was that? That was a box on wheels being pulled. Isn't that like cart and buggy? Yeah, that's horse yeah, that's and buggy some, for sure. That's like some wagon wheel. Uh, you know, you're still passing people that are in a uh, horse and carriage uh, driving that thing. I feel like yeah, that, that's tough to do, but good on them. For for uh, for being the first, you know what I mean. I would have prided myself on that. Absolutely, and and honestly, I have never even gotten a speeding ticket. Really, I'm too scared to get one, so I just don't speed. Your, your day will come. Well, day at, will come. At, at knock on wood. Nick, did you know that in the mid 19th century, lobster was so cheap that they'd feed it to prisoners? What? Wow. <laughs> You know, you know those uh, those high end lobsters you get at the steakhouse, lobster and steakhouse. Yeah, yeah, those. Just dishing them out. <laughs> Would have been okay to be a prisoner then, eh? Absolutely, I'd do anything to get to jail. Eating like the rich today. Get me in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, where do I sign? Yeah, where do I sign up? Nick, did you know the deepest part of the ocean 
has a pressure of eight tons per square inch. So you're that's like that's like parking uh, the weight of fifty jumbo jets on top of you. You would just like disappear at that point. Oh, you yeah. would just be gone. No, no, yeah, you're 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 pressured into nothing. Like even like that parking fifty jets on top of you. Like that's like that's like the big. Like the big Bowie seven forty seven, those things weigh like almost two hundred thousand kilograms. And you just park one of those, take fifty. Okay, that's that's the lowest point of our ocean. No wonder we have no idea what's down there. Yeah, I wonder what would be down there though. Oh, dude, dude, uh, you see some movies, you hear some stories, you see like these pictures of like rare sightings. I saw this thing recently. It was like a octopus, and the thing was translucent. You could see right through this octopus. So you could see like it's it's like brain and like the like strings going from his brain to like his eyeballs and through his like body. Yeah. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like it's like like okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. You won't find me down there, that's for sure. In fact, <laughs> I won't even be going into the ocean. I'll I'll stay in a boat or I'll just stay out of the water. Yeah, I like I like my pool, right? Yeah. I like the pool. Feet planted the on the good. ground, that's for sure. That's my go-to. Yeah. Yeah, I like to always be touching touching ground. Yeah, would you ever would you ever like dive with sharks? Would you ever, would you ever swim with sharks, Nick? Absolutely not. What is the like? What do you get out of that? The exhilarating experience, man. Okay, so I mean, is it not exil- exhilarating to just watch Shark Week? Yeah, just watch Shark Week in like VR, like your three D glasses or something. There you go. This uh, I saw the trailer for Jack. At- that that movie, you're gonna have to beep that. I think. No, I think you can say it. Oh, Jackass the movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, since so it's a movie, I can say it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they like put somebody in the ocean in like one of them shark container thingies, and he ended up actually getting bit, like hard, and his hand was like almost gone. And you should see, like, if you go on YouTube and watch the interview, he's like shocked. He's like, "Why did I do that?" Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no kidding. You, you jackass. Oh, exactly. Oh, now it <laughs> makes sense. Ah? Uh-huh. <laughs> there you go, kids. There's your title for your movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's wild. Yeah, no kidding. I wonder how many of those guys are just like, you know, breaking after trying the stuff that they do on there. Jeez. They're all broken. They're all broken. <laughs> yeah. They're broken before they start doing anything. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, Nick, uh, I think I think that's enough rambling for one day. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I'm losing my breath here. <laughs> We're getting winded. Uh, yeah, check us out, a chit chat on Instagram, especially. That's that's where I love to check uh check ourselves out. I I am one of our top viewers. I think I'm probably stuff, the honestly. second top viewer. Yeah, so we're the top view. So please go check it out. So we're stop embarrassing ourselves here. Uh, that was another episode of Chit Chat on 105.9 The Region on Discovery. Take care now. Bye bye then. Peace. Discovery, the radio show for podcasters, exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach. Send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com.